The following is an at-will presentation. I just called to say I love you. I just called to say how much I care. Love you. Be good. I hope everything's okay. And I miss you, brother. My name is Nico Tortorella. Welcome to the Love Bomb. This is a conversation with a boy I love named Nico. You start your episodes with who are you a lot of the times. Yeah. So here we go. Who are you? Uh, I am a... I'm a dude. I'm a 28-year-old dude. I'm an actor. It's my favorite thing to do in the whole world. Ever since I was a little kid, the first time I got on stage, I knew that that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And it's, it is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I love playing other people. I love it. In my working life and, you know, for a long time in my waking life too. I've, I've gone in and out of personalities and, and that is, in essence, what my fluidity is. I've gotten a much better grasp of it and, and a handle of it in recent months and especially doing this show. Um, and I think right now what I am more than anything is a student. I'm a student of the world. I'm a student of the people in my life, the people I look up to, um, mother earth herself, right? The cosmos. I'm, I'm a student of my job. I'm a student of this podcast, this podcast as much as you all send me messages and DMs and emails and telling me how much this show has affected you, this show has affected me an insane amount. You are part of this experience. You are seeing us put the pieces together. You're listening to it. You know, you've heard our episodes get better as they go along. And really, this is just the start. So I am Nico. Tortorella, also known as Nico, Nico, Nico. <laughs> Tell me about the first time you were in love. Uh, the first time I was in love. You know, I, I've i been thinking about this a lot, especially because I ask my guests this all the time. Um, the first love I ever knew more than anything in the whole world was this trio, my mom, my brother, and I. Like, the love that we have for each other. This like familial love and it and it goes outside of just the three of us, my grandma and other people in my family, but this familial love really shaped everything that I am. You know, I mean what's a really interesting story is like the first the first like real boyfriend I ever had um was probably 5 years ago. And to my family he was my best friend. And he would spend like, you know, weekends at my parents' house. And my mom had no idea that he was actually my boyfriend. I mean, he would like, we would sleep in the same room, but she was completely oblivious to the idea that anything else was going on. And only come to find out like years later, my brother was actually the person that told her what was happening, not me. And that, like, turned into this huge, tumultuous family argument, you know? I mean, we're a very loud, passionate family. So the second anything comes up that bothers somebody, we say it, right? So my mom called me immediately 
being like, I mean, screaming at the top of her lungs. She had the full blown, like everything terrible that you could possibly say to your son that was going through what I was going through was said, you know, at like a very fast pace. But that's kind of like our relationship. You know, it's not just about sexuality. Whenever we have to say something to each other, we say it in like the worst way possible. And then, you know, five, 10 minutes later, I love you. We figure it out. Everything's fine. Um, but there was this, yeah, there was this, like, I wish I, I had the fucking balls to tell my mom straight up what was happening, but I didn't because I knew the way that she was going to react to it. Um, but I still like, I had no problem. Like I was flaunting it in front of her face. I was bringing him to her house, you know, for, for up to a year. Like they were very close and she had no idea. I mean, even still to this day, like she'll say some shit. Look. My mom's made a full 180. Like she, the way she looks at the community now is totally different. She's super supportive, but she'll still say things that I, I, I like can't even believe, you know? And I think it's just like a generational thing. And I think the first time like I really ever really loved somebody and respected somebody was myself. Like growing up, I just I I loved what I did. I loved who I was. I loved what I wanted to do. And I surrounded myself with people that were on that same level. And I think the first like best friend love I ever had was this girl named Mary in high school. Uh, she was my best friend and we just shared so much of each other, right? Um, hold on. Let me pull up something. Yeah, to my high school best friend, Mary, who taught me how to smoke weed. <laughs> I loved you more than you'll ever know. You showed me how to love myself and more importantly, to question everything around me. And really, that's, I think, what it is. Like, she she opened my idea. She, like, popped the bubble in my head. And I think that that came a lot from her family and her programming and how she was raised. She, her parents are these like super cool, liberal, like hippie, but also like lawyer parents that, that challenged me and this construct that I came from. Um, and, and like, I learned so much from her, but then the first relationship love I ever really understood. And it was like the first time I really had a handle on what it meant to unconditionally love somebody else as you love yourself was Bethany. She was like who I learned. You know, if you go back and listen to our first episode, we talk a lot about how we first met and everything. She, she taught me what it meant to take care of somebody and to be taken care of. That, that's really what the basis of our relationship was from the beginning. And it was a struggle. I mean, it was, it wasn't easy. There were a lot of hoops and fucking barriers and everything that we had to roll through, fire that we had to jump through. It was just, it was intense. It still is, you know. Me, what happened in all of this? It was, it was like, you kind of argued it, you fought it, and then at one point it was like, no, it's either you tell me right now that I'm the only person you're having kids with, or nothing else, which puts it's that's like a stressful place for you to be in. And then it felt like you just you disappeared. You was gone. Yeah, but also like from from my point of view, there was so much placed on the future that all three of us lost track of what the fuck we were doing in the moment. Ten years later, we still it's not easy. We like to think that it is, and we like like oh we're in the best place we've ever been. But like every day, there's 
there's something and it changes and people grow and evolve. But like, she still is my best friend in the whole world. And is it, is it a little codependent at times and probably a little toxic? Yeah, but we're still learning. And there's a, there's a vision that I had of her and I when, when I was on ayahuasca that I want to share with you guys. I imagined this is going to be really beautiful. So hold on for a second. Okay. I imagined us as two trees in this huge forest two beautiful, huge trees, pine trees, standing next to each other. Roots for miles go down into the ground, intertwining, connected on all levels. We are rooted together. Two trees standing in a forest. Everybody that comes into our lives outside of the two of us are different animals or bugs that come and take shelter in our trees. Some last for longer, some can stay forever, but no matter what, our two trees will always stand together. I love you, Bethany. What have you been working on on yourself lately? Oh man, um, I, I've been reading more than I ever have in my entire life, honestly. Uh, I've read like nine books in the past two months. I'm also like really politically charged. I've never been so in tune with what's going on with our country and with the world. I mean, I, I think that that's probably a common theme across our country right now. The first thing I do in the morning now, besides, I mean, instead of jump on Instagram and Twitter, like I go to CNN, <laughs> you know, like I'm just more in tune with, with where I live and what my responsibility is, you know, and like what my privilege is and how I can use that to help other people, right? I just celebrated my two-year anniversary from being sober from alcohol on January 13th, 2017. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's the single most important decision I've ever made in my life. I've, I've actually been thinking a lot about alcohol recently. I think that I never stopped loving myself when I was drinking. I think I stopped respecting myself, right? And I think the first year of being sober was really uh, healing, you know? It was moving forward to a better version of myself and healing the wounds that, that I had built up for, I don't know, 10 years, you know? And then the second year of being sober was really like the action year. It was like when I buckled down and started realizing what I was actually capable of uh, and what that meant to myself and to the world, you know? It's when I really started taking my personal projects seriously and um, understanding what, what my reach was and what it meant. And um, I think what alcohol does more than anything is, is it just numbs you. It numbs you from your own feelings and numbs you from the energies of the world. It's like this, this false understanding. And since not having it, I'm not numb anymore. I, 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 I can just feel a thousand times more for myself and for other people. And like, I think that is my strongest suit right now. Um, for myself, like I'm holding those cards for myself. I'm not playing them. You know what I mean? This is who I am.
So the first time I ever started listening to audiobooks, I was driving back and forth from New York to Los Angeles quite a bit. I kept moving from New York to L.A., back to New York, and I had a couple dogs and a car, so I figured, why not? Just drive. And the only thing that really got me through those drives were listening to books through my phone. I mean, I just got lost in the space of these stories while driving through this wonderfully beautiful country. And now that I'm living here... In New York, I don't always remember to throw a book in my bag. So the best thing that I have at this point to keep up on material is Audible books. There is just this slew of options in literature, fiction, nonfiction, biography. I mean, the possibilities are really endless. I've been listening to Patti Smith's Just Kids for the past week. And I mean, the other day on the train, I was just in full tears at the end of the book, just weeping. I mean, I was convinced somebody was going to come up to me and (laughs) ask me if I was okay. But y'all need to download Audible, especially if you are the type of person that's just on the move constantly. It's just the easiest way to listen to your favorite book. So go to audible.com. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E.com. And with our little special code here, you get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial. So go to audible.com slash lovebomb. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash lovebomb. L-O-V-E-B-O-M-B. And guess you'll read on, folks. Audible style. Well, so it's interesting, you know, so I am sober from alcohol, but I'm not. I have been smoking weed for the past two years. Um, and I've done mushrooms a handful of times. Uh And I've always known that I wanted to go and do ayahuasca. And the first time I ever heard about ayahuasca was watching a documentary Uh, back in the day. I like, you know, I was I was heavy into the idea of psychedelics in like my last year of high school and then my first couple years of college. And like from where I come from, this like upper middle class area, like we just had access to these things. And I I ate a handful of mushrooms. I like I had a lot of mushroom experiences, uh, like seventeen to twenty. You know that really helped shape my early twenties. I mean, I had some of the greatest experiences of my life and the worst experiences of my life. And in that study. I started doing research on other psychoactives and I watched some documentary about ayahuasca back in the day. And it it, has always been in the back of my mind as the ultimate psychoactive. This is the grandmother plant. This is at some point I am going to do this. I've, I've just always known it was never a question. I was never going to go through my life without taking advantage of that experience. I, I, I didn't take advantage of that experience. That's kind of like a fucked up way of saying it. But, you know, just like being one with that experience. And <clears throat> the day after the election, I just got on my phone. And in 20 minutes, I found a place that, that was available, had space. And I booked it. I booked a flight and I booked the reservation in 20 minutes. And that was it. Put the phone down. Okay, I'm going to go do ayahuasca. I needed to take a second to go work on myself. And I knew that I needed to go alone because I I feel very responsible for 
that people that I hold closest to my heart, I feel very responsible for their energies when they're with me. Whether it's somebody that I'm dating, whether it's a family member, whether it's like a really close friend, I just I I feel like I am a protector of energy for my people. And I knew that when I was going to Peru, I I couldn't be responsible for somebody else. Like the only person's energy that I could protect was mine when I went. And it, and I, you know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It it was the single most important experience. Getting sober was the single most important decision I've ever made in my life. And going and doing ayahuasca was the single most important experience I've ever had. And, you know, I mean, I have a lot of stories of the experiences that I had on the psychoactive, on this plant. But I need you guys to know that every single experience that somebody has on ayahuasca is completely different. No two are ever the same. And so what you hear me say might sound a little bizarre and out there. Like, yeah, it's definitely going to. But there's no way I could have recorded this episode without sharing parts of that with you. We lose your head shaman here. Wonderful. Nico, so it's helpful for him uh, and for us to know how can he help you? What's your intention in working with ayahuasca medicine? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, ultimately, for in here, uh, my goal is to heal, right? Uh, in order to understand a little bit more what it means to be a healer of sorts. I spent the whole lifetime as this wolf. Uh, it was gray, gray and white. Yeah. And I was taking care um, of this caterpillar that came from, down from the ceiling and landed on me. There was this yellow, beautiful, big caterpillar. And I was like, what's up, dude? Like, what are you doing here? What are you here to show me? And um, I started off the night as this big gorilla and was kind of just protecting my space and was... Um, so we knocked on the door three times and whistled and the door opened and there was this little green alien, little jolly, happy green alien. And I was, I am this white dragon that was born last night. Um, and for the next while, I was just out of the egg, feeling my body and coming to terms with who I was and, and what I was and having fun and spreading my wings and just kind of laughing and crawling around. Um, and then my Icaros it was so much better than what I imagined it to be and the place that I went to Pulse Adventure Tours in Peru you know it helped that whole experience the shamans that I worked with Wheeler Ernesto Angelita like I found the perfect place at the perfect time in my life. And I was like, not scared at all. 
I was ready, you know. So how do you live differently after this experience? Well, they say that ayahuasca or having or going to a retreat like this, um, having more than one ceremony, it's like 10 years of therapy in one week. And that's exactly what it was. Like I dealt with a lot of deep rooted family issues, whether it's from my uncle or my dad or my mom, my brother, you know, and then I dealt with a lot of stuff in the present and I dreamed, I conjured a lot for the future, you know, and it's one of those things where it just opens up parts of your brain that you never even knew existed. I can't tell you how many times that I, I was under, I was, I was, I was turned on, right. That I just had these aha moments like, oh my God, that's what that fucking means. Oh my God, that's what I can do. Oh my God. Like, that's what it feels like when I eat a banana or something like that is what those vitamins are doing for me. Like I, like I, I, I tracked everything that was happening to me and like everything that I was capable of. And that's really the most important thing that I brought home is I'm able to track my daily life and track my thoughts versus my actions and like feel really responsible for every single thing that I do, every single conversation that I have, every person I bring into my life, every person that like, you know, I may need to push out of my life or just what my responsibility is, you know? I mean, from, from waking up in the morning to going to sleep, I can track my day. And also I'm a lot more connected to my dream life too. I mean, if there's like one thing that I could actually compare my ayahuasca experience to, it's dreaming. It's being lucid in your dreams. It's like the most expansive dream that you could possibly imagine that has to do with your life and you can interpret it when it's over. I was really able to put myself into other family members' shoes while I was on ayahuasca and feel what they felt, if that makes any sense, and understand their experience more. Who specifically? Uh, I mean, whether it's my mom, my brother, or my uncle, were really like the three big family members that I brought into the experience. Um, and my aunt, my uncle's wife. Uh, my uncle specifically, you know, I, I have had a really tumultuous relationship with for the past 28 years for the first, like 18, he was my best friend, mentor, shaman, sensei, everything. And then there were 10 years where we didn't talk at all. And like, it was dark. It was really dark for a while. And when I got home from Peru, the first thing I did was get in contact with my uncle and tell him that I wanted to come see him for Christmas. And that was it. And like, I went to his house. <laughs> it was the first time I've seen him in 10 years and really had a real conversation with him. And I sat in his house, which is a huge deal for him. A huge deal. Nobody ever goes to his house. It's like, a, you know, he kind of lives in like a fort in the middle of nowhere that nobody even knows exists. I mean, my uncle is like a fascinating, fascinating human. And I owe so much of who I am to him. And like, it was just that one piece that I took away from ayahuasca, reconnected with my uncle. I would do it all over again a thousand times. It's even more than forgiving him. I like, I thanked him, actually. I thanked him for the shit that he did because it made me who I am. You know, I, I respected him more. I didn't for the longest time. But something opened up that I was like, oh, maybe this was like the ultimate lesson. This was it. You disappeared for 10 years so I could actually become this person and then come back to you. It's like a 10 year lesson. I like gave him props for that, you know? 
And I, I went to his house and I read this whole piece that I wrote for him. And all I've ever wanted from my uncle was for him to be proud of me, right? That's all I've ever wanted. And after I read this piece to him, I mean, he looked at me with tears in his eyes saying, I've never been more proud of anybody in my entire life than I am of you right now. And I like that, you know, that's it. Like fucking drop the mic, ayahuasca, I love you. <laughs> Seriously. I, like I'm a better person because of all of that. But do you think you would have been able to get to that place without the Yeah, drug? with therapy for like a long time. I mean, I've been in therapy for for years talking about my uncle. And like I never got to that point. Yeah. And I don't like using the word drug. Like it really is a medicine for that. Like that, it is an ancient fucking medicine that brings people together. Ayahuasca is, is love. That is what the main message of ayahuasca is. And in doing this podcast called The Love Bomb, that like, I, yes, I have to go study love. And if I can study it in another dimension, yes, sign me up. And I like, look, this isn't an infomercial for ayahuasca. I need to make that very clear. I'm not like saying everybody needs to fucking go do ayahuasca to be a better person. Do I think that everybody could do ayahuasca and be a better person? Yeah, absolutely. But like, it's so specific and so relative to each person's experience and where they are in their life. And like, if they're ready, really, it's like, this is not to be taken lightly. Any, any psychoactive for that matter, you know? The first episode that we ever recorded for The Love Bomb was with my dear friend, uh, Chris. We call him Zeus. And the episode never made it to air, you know, because it was like, it was our first shot. We were learning the ropes. But that being said, the origin of The Love Bomb came from a really intense relationship that I had with him and a couple other girls. And it was this group of people uh, for like six months that were all on a text message that we called ourselves the Atomic Love Bomb. So we had a group text message with me and you and two other women. Right. And basically once or twice a week, which some of those times would just turn into two or three days straight. Mm -hmm. Somebody would be like, Atomic Love Bomb? Question mark. And everyone's like, I have no work tomorrow. So we'd all meet at Nico's house and enjoy movies and Sometimes drugs and sex and enjoyment. Just a lot of love. We all really cared about each other. And it was this like period of our lives where we were all getting really fucked up and kind of all fucking, you know? <laughs> and But it was so much more than that. Like we we created this little community of trust. So when we were kind of racking our brains for a title for this show, the the love bomb, the atomic love bomb, the love bomb, it kept kept coming up. And that's really what we're doing here, minus the fucking. F not for all of you, but. 
<laughs> but seriously, that is what we're doing here. This is a love bomb. This is a community of trust. This is a community of respect. This is a community of love. Like if I share it with the person that's in the studio with me, right? And and he or she shares it with me and it goes into this microphone and it and it is blasted out to you guys and you guys hear it and you send it to another person and pretty soon we have over a million people listening to this show, you know, that is a love bomb. You drop it and it explodes. You ask, what does love mean to you, to each one of your guests? Yeah, it's the but last you question. Have, but you have yet to answer it. Well, I I think I've answered it in a handful of ways of course, on the show. But on the no, spot no, no, okay, right, okay, now. right now. I think more than anything in the whole world, love has to be fun. If you're not having fun in love, then it's not love. Love is work, but love has to be fun and you have to like enjoy the work. You have to enjoy it for yourself and you have to enjoy it for the other person. And love is balance. If, if you're in a relationship with somebody and the other person is going down, you got to go up. If you are going down, the other person has to go up. And if you're in the middle, hang out in the middle and enjoy it. Always, always find that balance, no matter what. If you're both down, it's over. You got to find balance. And you got to have fun in it. And love is unconditional, you know? People fuck up. People are shitty. But, like, people can make it better. And that is love. Making it better is love. And, you know, love yourself so you can love somebody else. That's it. Respect yourself so you can respect somebody else. Have fun with yourself so you can have fun with somebody else. That is love. I love you all. Really. I'm having fun with you and you're having fun with me. Let's just keep having fun together. The second this isn't fun, I'm going to stop. I love you. To be healed, to heal, to healer. To be healed, to heal, to healer. To be healed, to heal, to healer. Nico, 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 my holy trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, 39, iconic, iconic, iconic. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Organize my thoughts, file my creative downloads, be open to all roads. Nico, 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 past, present, and future, to be healed, to heal, to be healer. Student to teacher to master, one, two, three, three, two, one, showtime. Body, spirit, mind, day, night, dream. Do it all over again and again and again. Get it right, get it wrong, get it lit, burn it down, rebuild. 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 Build the bomb. Blow it up in the name of love. Explode. Bleed, heart, pump, need, red cells and white cells feed. Heart-shaped blood and nose, but don't confuse the heart shapes for weakness. I wear the heart with anarchist mentality, sweet to look at till it intentionally explodes. The same blood that pumps love also pumps rightness, righteousness, fearlessness, correctness, passion. You fuck with me or my people, I will destroy you kind of love. So I repeat, don't you dare confuse my heart shapes for weakness. My shapes are anything but... I will love till love wins, no matter what it takes. And yes, there will be casualties. My heart shapes cut like blades. All hearts have points, after all. All hearts do, indeed, have points. To be 
And this one happens to have a wick. Tick, 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 boom, and the heart goes tick, 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 boom, and the heart goes tick, 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 boom, and the heart goes. It may sound like I'm a little worked up because I am. And this anger may not directly relate to the normal message we usually have on this show. But yesterday morning, our president, Donald Trump, amongst all the terribly inhumane bullshit, publicly bullied and shamed another grown man, Chuck Schumer, for crying after the immigration ban. I noticed uh, Chuck Schumer yesterday with fake tears. I'm going to ask him who is his acting coach, because uh, I know him very well. I don't see him as a crier. If he is, he's a different man. There's about a 5% chance that it was real, but I think they were fake tears. Fuck you. Fuck your macho man rhetoric. Fuck you for bullying empathy. Fuck you for making fun of a crying man and deeming him anything less for it, or even worse, pretending it isn't real. This is the hyper-masculine attitude that crippled our country in the first place. Men shouldn't feel anything. Men don't cry. Hold back your tears, boy. Be a man. Fuck you. Men should feel everything. More men need to cry, should cry. Everyone should be crying right now. Not in defeat, but in preparation. Tears charge the soil and in return grow the soul. So fuck the bully. Fuck the bully. If all hearts have a point, today my point is this. Use it. Stand up for humanity. Celebrate compassion and empathy. Protest, march, and most importantly, do the work on yourself so you can do the work for the people. That's all I'm trying to do here. Be healed, to heal, become healer. Nico, Nico, Nico. To be healed, to heal, to be healer. And this episode is about just that. This is about me and the work I've been doing. But never forget, I am you. You are me and we are it. Through this podcast, The Love Bomb, and my recent trip to Peru to explore the healing properties of the Amazonian psychoactive ayahuasca, I have continued the work of healing myself through plant medicine and radio medicine. Understanding myself, respecting myself, and in that space, I have begun to heal others, whatever that means. Better understand others, have more respect for all people from all walks of life. And in all of this, I find even more of the greatest magical power in the world. Love. So, as this episode comes to conclusion, I want to take a moment of silence with you all. This may seem a little counterintuitive, but trust me for a minute, okay? I want to use our collective energy to psychoactively send love to all of the bullies in the world. Look, I have cried. Right? I have raged, and I'm beginning to rebuild in the best ways I know how. So I asked you to join me in ceremony. Together, in silence, we pray on love. We pray on peace. Together, we manifest in the name of love. Then we can rage. Alright? Ready? Set? Go. I love you. I love you. I love you.